0: This is the Blackout Podcast. Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And finally, <laughs> <laughs> I finally got Taylor Olson and thanks for coming in today.
1: Hey, of course, man. So
0: I'm just going to start off with the most recent thing, Bone Cage. Yeah. First off, that's like an award-winning book. How did you pull that off?
1: Um. Well, I did the the stage play in 2017. So uh, uh Magic Theater, uh, local theater company, put it up uh, around October 2017 did the stage production then I talked to Catherine afterwards and from having seen the stage production she let me do it. Wow. Yeah, it was, I think it was kind of ballsy of her to do it. <laughs> so
0: are you playing the same role in the film as you did in yeah. that okay, yeah. okay, okay. And I've not read the book or seen anything about film. Do you want to give like what's the book about? Um uh, what is Bone Cage anyway? Like, is it, is it a thing?
1: It's not a thing. It's more like a metaphor. Uh, oh, okay. Like, sort of like your soul being trapped in, like, your ribs, like, physically. Um, like, the oh. your body being a yeah, bone cage sort of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's this young guy works in a tree processor, and he uh, clear cuts for pulp all day. And then he goes into the destruction afterwards and finds in- injured animals and tries to rescue them. Oh. It's sort of about someone who's stuck in a situation um, where they don't have the means to just get up and leave they don't have the the money the education uh or even the social status to get up and leave and they want to do something different with their life but uh but working and tearing apart the environment every day starts to tear them apart and how it affects their relationships and that sort of suit of armor that you put on that sort of performative masculinity that slowly uh can end up tearing you and the people around you apart
0: Okay, you know uh, this it kind of has a certain trend with the roles you play. How do you pick the roles you play?
1: um i would I like to say I get to just pick them but <laughs> you mean when I'm writing or no, no, or, no. or just like in general just, yeah I mean honestly, I just kind of uh if it's paid, I'll just do it and <laughs> and then and then if it's uh and then if it's not and it's like interesting then i'll then i'll okay. I'll do it i think I think the things I more than the roles I think I play, the things I seek out are things that if I'm looking at it and I go, oh, like, there's an aspect of this I'm unsure of. Mm. Like, I don't know if I can do that. Then I'll be really interested in it. Uh, um, something that's challenging. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. like,
0: so, so I'm going to pick up one role. It's it's kind of a throwaway role, but um, so it's from Black Up. Mm. And you were, like, just, it was you were there for, I think, like, two minutes on yeah. the screen or stuff. Yeah. But, like, it's a super vital role. How for how you did your audition for that role? Or? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah, yeah wow, yeah, wow. I thought it was like, oh, I know Taylor LS. So, um, what was your approach to that specific audition?
1: Oh, um, I think Corey just messaged me on Facebook or something and said, "Hey, come read for this." Um, I, I think always for auditions, like the way I look at approaching it is just to to go in and play. Like I, when I first started acting, it would I'd be really nervous. And then I'd, you know, go in and try to, like, book the role. That was, like, the objective. But uh, soon I realized pretty early on that if I I had the mentality, like, I'm just going to go and practice. I'm just going to rehearse. Like, I'm just going to go into the room and just play and just see what happens. Mm. It takes the pressure off. And then you actually have more room to. So I think I just went in there and just played around. Had fun. Yeah,
0: it was, yeah. A, it was a fun role. So I going to now rewind. Yeah. How did it start for you exactly? At what point in your life do you know? You know what? I want to be like. I want to be in the in the movies.
1: Yeah. Um. So I was an athlete for a long time. That was my focus. And what uh, sport? A few hockey, oh, okay. hockey mainly. Um, like swimming, track and field, things like that. Um. Uh, and then and then. I thought, oh well, you know, like maybe I'll play university sports and, or maybe try to go like semi-pro and then just like get a degree, get out working like as like a. um, I thought I might do like kinesiology or something like that and like stay in sports. But then I did a play when I was in grade, I think grade eleven or twelve. and I, I did that, and it just kind of hooked me, and I was like, I'm screwed." I gave, I threw it away. <laughs> I was like, every, all my, what's that?
0: Do you remember the play? Uh,
1: yeah, I did, well, there's one I did very briefly before this, but the first one that really kind of grabbed me, that made me go, oh, I, I want to do this for real, it's called, a, a play called David and Lisa, it was about this, uh, these young people who who live in like, a, uh at that time, it was set in the 50s, so it would have been like a mental ward, um, and, uh and he is afraid that if someone touches him, he'll die. <laughs> um, and uh, and and she has um, other s- similar fears. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's sort of like a love story in this in this place. That's really surprising. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's really and interesting. Then, yeah.
0: And you played David.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're
0: like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And then yeah. once you realize you want to do it, what did you do to make sure it happened?
1: Well, um, I think there was there was a, a sort of a fair at the school, and I uh, I think I think they do this at most high schools. I, I guess is uh, where you you show your skills, and then they might give you a scholarship. Um, so I went and did that. I got a small scholarship, and then I applied to uh, I don't, I just applied to one university. It was Dalhousie because I thought you know I was on the coast in BC and i was like i want to be on the coast my parents had moved out here just before i did mm. and so i thought it was an easy transition and then came to school here and did the acting program here and that was sort of but i actually i wasn't planning a, i was like oh it would be great to act in things like i thought it would be oh it'd be nice to like do some acting but i thought i was going to do school and then get my teaching degree and be I a drama that. teacher that was kind of my plan cuz i didn't think i could i was like there's no way i can be an actor wow there's no way you can Imagine make money. that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so, and then Halloween dialed for?
1: Four years. Okay. Yeah. It's a four-year program. Three years inside, like, the acting program. Mm. Yeah.
0: But then, like, so, with the acting, I think, it's mostly kind of stage stuff, right? Do they have, like, a They're, film?
1: They have about a week of film. Yeah, so how all. was that
0: transformation for you? Because, like, so, like... I remember the very first time I saw stage people try to make film it's, it's not good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. it's hard I think sometimes it depends on like your approach I think. Yeah. Like I I it, I don't I don't really think of acting on stage and acting on camera as a as a different thing. Um, to me they just feel like the same thing just using different tools. Like the way I think about it is like if you're looking at the 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 lens and the camera's here And I'm talking to you. Like, on film, my relationship, all I have to do is communicate to you. That's it. But in theater, I have to communicate in a way that fills the space. So, like, projecting, like, the greatest truth to that space.
0: But, like, isn't... I mean, do you think that's something they should teach? Because I don't Mm. really see... Mm-hmm. Like I think if if you can act right, without on stage or in front of a camera, you should just you should kind of it, it's just one little piece, and if you get that piece, you can switch back and forth. Because mm. like for instance, talking about your um your French play, how do, actually I'll, I'll get to that first. But so yeah. let's go with doll, and then you finish the right. foyer, and then yeah, what, what happened?
1: Well, actually, I kind of was coming out of school and thought, oh, maybe I won't act because it seems like it's going to be hard. Mm. Um, I just had a few experiences with a few professional people where I got the hint that they were like, Maybe you shouldn't do this sort of feeling. Like mm. um, so I had a, a desire to do it, but I was sort of afraid of and then um John Dunsworth had this rock opera that he was a part of that he was like co-directing sort of thing or like helping produce and he was he had taught the film acting in at Dow and said, Hey, you should come do this mm. and then um he actually hooked me up with like a couple like non-union, I I don't know, like there's no reason for him to be helpful to me, but he was just like the nicest guy. I think everyone in this industry has a John Dunsworth helped you story. Um, (laughs) I don't know how he he managed to affect so many people, but he uh, hooked me up with uh, an audition for uh, Kaylee McLennan's feature called Noon Gun. And it was like the first like that and uh, another small feature were like the first features I did coming out of school. And that kind of was like, oh, well, I'm starting to work and I'm not getting paid, but I'm like working as an actor. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of helped me.
0: And then when in. did you decide, okay, f- so I'm going to start writing my stuff.
1: Um, In the first year, um, coming out of school, uh, my friends were auditioning more than me. Um, oh, wow. And my friends, well, because I was bigger, I was heavier and my friends were, Thinner, like you know, more like objectively attractive. They were auditioning a lot more than me, and I was lucky because I was booking roles. Like I was, you know, I worked on a a couple TV shows during that year, and and like uh, another feature later on, and things. Mm -hmm. But um, but even though I was working, I was sort of like, well, you know, I I would like to create more opportunity because I'm not going to be seen for certain things. So what do I want to do? So then I started writing. I wrote a couple short films, handed them. To some friends, they directed them. Um, and then I was already at that point starting to like, try to direct my own stuff, but like, very like, low-key because I was <coughs> wanting to screw it up and not have too many people see it. Um, I directed a short film like right out of school called Behind You. Um, and then started directing um, my own stuff after that. Okay. Like, uh, uh, and in the middle of that, uh, I wrote a short film that Coomby directed that did really well. And she killed it directing it. Hustle Heart.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: yeah, so, it was just to create work for myself. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, do the things <laughs> I want to do that aren't available. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, when you write those roles, do you write with, de- with you in mind? Oh, yeah. Do you find, like, when you're writing a story, does it help kind of knowing who you want to play that role when you're writing the role?
1: Yeah, for sure, yeah. I definitely know, like... If I'm writing for myself or someone else, mm. sometimes it's it's I don't see anyone. But when you are writing for someone, I don't know I don't know if you experience the same thing. It's a lot easier, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It just kind of goes. Whereas and, and, you hear and, their voice. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. Don't you
0: find that when you hand it to the person, they just bring that extra to the role? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, and then cut. That's one of your my like my favorite film of yours. I uh, really sweet. love it. I, I think. <laughs> I was waiting for this body.
1: And yeah, then, yeah. And
0: then it's 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 great. <laughs> At what point, like, did you know that ending before you wrote it or had a, mm. did it change?
1: Okay, so this one started with, I was really bored. I hadn't been doing anything for a while. I was sort of depressed because I was hadn't done anything for three months. Yeah. And I was saying to, I said couldn't be like, I want to do something. Mm. um, And then, Uh, Kumbi and, and, uh, her friend Rosie Hatton and myself came up with a a story. Um, where it's kind of like a, it was like, how can you do something, uh, in one shot where it's like, where it reveals multiple things. Um, and then, uh, we worked on the story together and I think they, I was like, here's one piece of it. And they came up with a whole bunch of the story, send it to me. And then I sat down and wrote it. Mm. Um, and at the end of it, the first like at the end of the first draft, uh, I didn't have the uh, that it was just a film thing, and then it was like, oh, what, can, we, can we add one more? Because there's already two twists, and then it was like, oh, well, this isn't. It was maybe almost like a cop out twist, but was, in a way, it's kind of a cop out. But yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I really love that one. Um, the ti- like did you have the title when? Oh, actually, did you have the title before you wrote it or
1: no? Mm. So oh, I think. I think I had a really dumb title. Like one, I don't know. And then I always ask, uh, I always ask Kumbi for my titles and she gives me good titles. I usually write something and then don't know how to title it and then say like, Kumbi, what do you think is the title? Like Hustle and Heart was something like, Something stupid like the playbook or something like that. <laughs> like the playbook. And then Kumi's like, What about this? Hustle hard. And I was like, oh, that's pretty that's a good that's really good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we've mentioned Kumi like, I don't know, ten times now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did you guys meet?
1: I think it was like a loop group for a feature called Across the Over Across the Line, something like that. What was um, the loop a group? A loop group is um <laughs> where there's images on screen from a film where they didn't get all the audio and so actors come in and sometimes they're just like it's people in the background lifting things so you just go uh, you know <laughs> or like sometimes you're like hey, blah, blah, you know like you're like saying random things in the background it's mostly just okay. just filling yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. background talk it's like if you're in a coffee shop it's like you pretend to be two people having a conversation gotcha, gotcha, yeah
0: yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. okay and how did that meet turn to uh partnership working together
1: i think we met then and then we just started talking because we were both really passionate and, like, there's not many people who were young who were really, like, pushing to just make a career immediately. Um, mm. And then we were talking, we just immediately got along. And then uh, I think it just kind of happened from there. It was just easy, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, it was just, we, I think we just met one day and, like, I had been out of the city for, like, six months. We met. We hung out and just like we just clicked. And it was just from there to like we started our relationship and working like at the same, it was just all sort of fluid.
0: What was the first thing you worked on together?
1: Hustle and Heart. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we did a, f- oh no, wait, we didn't. We did a, I think we did a couple short little things before then that I don't think really like went out into the world, but. Mm. Yeah, they like never got finished, but then hustle hard. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. 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 Yeah.
0: And um so who makes the final decisions?
1: On <laughs> um, things? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Huh? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there is a final. Like I think it's kind of like we like either we're either meeting on the thing, yeah. and it's like we're meeting and it's working because we're like together and we're like there on it, yeah, or like we end up not doing it together, yeah. I think that's how it ends up working. Because um, if you're not like a hundred percent, then you're gonna start making compromises and all the little things that like won't. So yeah, it's we're either just like there, yeah.
0: So you did bone cage <clears throat> and the play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and at what point did you think oh man this could have been in film
1: i think it was like the second day of rehearsal oh yeah it's it's a beautiful play i mean katherine's an incredible writer um there's just something uh in the immediacy of the writing and the the poetry of it that i thought well you know if you could actually take that and, and translate it visually as well that it could work really well and it was just so it's such a natural piece of theater that uh and and visually, too, like, you know, thinking about, okay, well, here we don't get to see the trees being cut down. We don't get to see, like, the actual, this bridge. We don't get to see the the world in a really, like, visceral way where you can touch and feel it almost. Mm. Um, and I thought that would be really effective. And, and my my family worked in the logging industry for years. Like, my my grandfather and, and like, his dad and, and my dad worked in the logging industry, too. So it was something that I just... I kind of felt like I knew the world a little bit and the people, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it was,
0: so um, then you reach out to her and you say, "Want to make this film?" You knew uh, your idea was to go through the talent watch program. How was that process?
1: I think actually, oddly enough, like I I didn't think of the talent to watch at first. Oh, okay. Um, I think I was looking at oh maybe you could do a, can- a council thing and how and I was like, "There's no way you can do it on this little money." And then uh, eventually, we're going went towards the talent to watch and and uh had uh one producer on who in the end couldn't do it and then melanie came on um but really the process Wait, you
0: had a producer before melanie
1: Wood, melanie Wood, yeah yeah um who's fantastic and just like yeah th- really the best mm. um but i actually the first person i talked to was was kevin Fraser who shot it uh we just done a, a short film by adam deviller called bad morning and uh when we were on that we sort of connected we we're like oh we well, got to make something together and then uh as soon as i wanted to make this i kind of actually i went to him before i talked to Catherine. i was like i want to do this but i have to go talk to katherine <laughs> banks and make sure that she'll let us make the movie but if, yeah. if she lets us do it let's do it so yeah
0: and okay so you got you had kevin and melanie on and i guess what's the process of time to watch exactly
1: well, you have to apply through uh, the industry partner. So there's a few in Halifax. There's AFCOOP, WIFT, NASCAT, NSCC. I think that's it, right? And uh, you apply through the industry partner um, with your video pitch and your, your visual application and, uh, and your script. And then if they select you, then you apply to telefilm after that. And then they go through a whole other jury process. So, takes, I think we applied in, I think it was February the first time, and we found out in June, like, uh, officially. Yeah.
0: That's a long-ass wait, though. Yeah. But did you do anything kind of preparing yourself for that time?
1: Filmmaking-wise, or? Mm. um, Yeah, actually, well, it was funny, because I kind of knew that we had to go with the project. Like, one, I was going to get, I was going to be too old soon to play the part, like, it has uh, to
0: be a certain age.
1: Yeah, just cuz it, it just made more sense with a certain age. Okay. Um, and also, you know when you get that feeling of like uh, there's a there's a there's not a, a a lifespan on the on the project itself, but there's sort of like a lifespan on me doing it now. Like the energy that I'm creating, the place that I'm in like yeah. in, in the world right now means that like this is this is the best me for this. I kind of felt that with this. Um, where I thought, "Oh, if I waited even a year, more like i i just could tell that it was like i was gonna be too far away that it was gonna it was gonna be better for someone else and i was like i'm no i want to do this so um in the meantime i talked to cory Bowles, and he was like you know first feature like don't screw it up (laughs) (laughs) because they won't let you make another one and he's right like he was like it was like really good advice and like he's been a really like really kind to like mentor um and just like a really generous person who gives tons of great advice and uh so in the meantime um i had a another short film that i wanted to make so i i used that to sort of test out pieces of the style um beforehand and uh the way i wanted to make and shoot bone cage so that happened to work out well that i had an idea mm-hmm. that i wanted to shoot in the meantime and i shot that before we shot the feature
0: so um i remember I was that i think i'd have and we saw a clip and it's like a lot of handheld yeah at least yeah. for that scene yeah, i saw yeah. yeah um was there a lot of rehearsals like or practice for taking these shots
1: yeah so it's most of the film sort of, we set up uh kevin frazier DOP, and i sort of set up uh, a set of rules that we had and rules in different circumstances for the film um I really like rules so that you can, like, you know, like, okay, this is what we're doing. And and then once you have a set of rules, you're like, wow, this is blue sky. We can do everything within this box and it'll fit into the world of the film. And and one of the things that I just felt was important for the piece was uh, an immediacy, um, which meant I wanted to, every cut to be motivated and therefore to be present with someone for as long as we could. Uh, which meant that the film ended up being a lot of really long shots. Like, uh, you know, there's lots of shots in the film that are a scenes four and a half minutes long. It's one shot. Um, there's other scenes where it's it's. it's so not, your
0: actors are really good.
1: They are really good. <laughs> yeah. Like the actors that, that I was lucky to work with are yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we did. We rehearsed. We had uh, two full days and two half days of rehearsal um, before we shot. Uh, and two of those days had Kevin with the camera in the, all in the house. Everything that's outside the house, we didn't get to shoot um, before or, or rehearse beforehand. But everything that was took place in the house, we rehearsed it and and got it ready. And, and what
0: was the process of this rehearsal? Um, uh, at,
1: the, at the top of the, like w- coming in with the cast, I uh, just wanted to like sort of set a set a tone of safety and uh, the ability to experiment and sort of fail. So. Sort of um, Just set Try to set that tone of, of like Starting a little family So that we could be a family By the time we got, went to shoot We were really close um, We would just Talk through the scenes Then get up on our feet Run them A few times And and I wouldn't give them Blocking yet So that they weren't Getting stuck They could just experiment And then I'd go Okay cool Now here's how we're actually Going to shoot the the scene And here's how we're going to do it And then we'd run that until uh, until we felt like we had it it really close right before the magic starts to happen and then we'd go alright that's it save it for the save it save it for when we go to shoot and then we'd pick up from there on the day mm. yeah and we we I timed like because we were worried with the oneers you know one of the things that in pre production Kevin said was like hey, you know we can end up with like a two and a half hour movie if we're not careful here with doing all these big oneers and uh, and so in pre production I wrote down how long.
0: I, <laughs> I would uh, start
1: a, to- a stopwatch, and I would read the script in a way that i go, okay, this is how it-, it sounded to me in my head. Yeah. This is, like, the rhythm that it felt like, and then I'd write down how long it would be, and then we had that document on set, so we could go, okay, well, it should be between here and here, so that we could kind of make sure the rhythm... And because we, were, we knew we are in these long wonders we weren't going to cut, we had to build the tempo and the rhythm into the scene already, kind of like yeah, a play. Yeah, yeah, So So um, we used that, and on the rehearsal days, we'd have to sort of go, like, oh, let's... It's you gotta, too much. We, I don't know how, but we need I don't know how, but we got to cut 10 seconds off the scene. Yeah. So then everyone would know that, and then we'd run it again and see, oh, yeah, were we closer? And yeah, yeah.
0: But, like, when, when the scene is actually being shot,
1: mm-hmm.
0: no one is watching the time, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, someone is, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've got someone there, like... um, was continually changing um sometimes it was melanie wood our producer sometimes it was luke freeman who was our our first ad for a while sometimes it was kumbi who was doing many many things for us in the film um timing writing it down and at the end of the take i go how long was that like if i really liked it i'd be like how long was that and it's like a minute and 45 seconds and i'd be like oh shoot okay well it's supposed to be a minute and 35 seconds okay I don't know how we're going to do this without rushing because he needs to be completely natural, but we have to take 10 seconds yeah, off. And th- you know what I mean? And yeah, then,
0: and the thing is that that 10 seconds seems small, but it died, it died Yeah,
1: too. yeah. And I think too, like there's, if, you know, if, if the actors that we had, like a couple of them hadn't been on screen before, but they're all really strong. And I think with the bit of rehearsal we had and the trust we had in each other, yeah, we just, when you said that, you know, we got to take 10 seconds off uh I think the best thing to do in that case for us was just to know that, not talk about how we're going to do it. We already know the scene well enough, jump back in and something instinctually will take over. It just means like maybe there's a slight more urgency, maybe like, you know what I mean? Like something like that, that would, and then it would always kind of just, or oh, the next take would be like, Oh, cool, we're around that, yeah. And then
0: yeah. I remember, so you showed two scenes that night. The one was, like, you're going go to their house, and the second one was a fight, right? Yeah. Was that lit? Like, how was that lit? Was it just the lights from the car? Cause yeah. That was it.
1: Yeah, and the fire, though, too. So, oh, yeah, So yeah. that was a big thing, like, when um Kevin and I were talking about shooting the film, I was like, I'd, I, I want to shoot 360, like, always. I want to be able to shoot 360 almost... Every scene, if we want to, I don't crime. want to be in a place where <laughs> <laughs> why is <you> so
0: difficult?
1: <laughs> how, how did
0: your uh, think of that idea? <laughs> I
1: don't know, it was uh, like Keith Mitchell was like on the film the whole time, and yeah. I don't know, he was really just chill, but uh, he's always chill, he's <laughs> always Keith. chill, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. uh, but that like for for that, we sh- we. Most things we had practicals like in like lamps we'd like, and then we'd light from outside if we needed to. But a lot of time we try to go really natural and just use practicals indoors. And there we just use headlights. Hmm. But Ke- you know Kevin's really smart. Like he just was, he just knows okay how much light and what. Like he's like, look at the color on that light on that truck, and I'm like, yeah. And he like, and the color of light on that truck, and I'm like. Yeah, I get it. It's not going to work because they're different color lights. He's like, "Yeah, so we need a new truck." You know, like things like that are like, "Okay, we'll bring this truck in and that truck will go behind because it's okay." Like, like he just immediately knows all these things because he's got so much experience. Yeah, that uh, it was great to be able to rely on him. So like that scene was one where um, that whole fight is just one shot, and it starts shooting through the back of the truck as they're coming in, and that's actually Keith Mitchell who's holding the camera. And he's he's harnessed. Into this, oh, okay. He's harnessed. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> the first time we, I think we pitched it to Mel. She was like, mm, "What are you? How are you going to do this?" Yeah, uh, okay. Because we did it a couple times in the film, where like uh, Kevin, in a few scenes, was hitched into the back of the truck, shooting through the back window, so you could shoot wherever I wanted in one shot. Sort of. Thing. Who was
0: pulling your focus? Like what, Darcy Fraser, and would they he's they amazing. Would be the car too, or in a different
1: car? Sometimes in the car, like in this scenario darcy would have been i think on by the monitors actually um but we had keith with the camera and kevin's running beside the the truck and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then as we stop the truck yeah it's shooting through the back window of the truck and it kind of like comes to a stop and keith hands and as i'm getting out of the truck yeah he hands it to kevin's shoulders and he grabs it and then kevin runs with us and catches shoots. the fight and yeah. then we run back to the truck yeah. and and we did a few things like that. Where I think the other scene was, she comes through the window of the house. Yeah. Same thing. Where actually, it's funny because both those scenes have the handoffs. I don't. I didn't realize that until now. But that scene, Kevin's got, or like uh, Keith's got the camera again, and he's walking up, following her, and like as she's coming through the window, he passes the camera, <laughs> and Kevin's like hiding here, and he grabs the camera, and comes in right. So yeah, it was a lot of fun to make the movie that way. But it was, it was in a way. Um, I felt necessary because the rules we had established of just being immediately with them as much as we can and if we had to do a cut hopefully we've done enough at that point that when we go to the cut um, almost the audience doesn't see it they just don't think of it ideally yeah yeah cause it's hopefully right right, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and how many people did you walk with on that film?
1: I might be wrong but I think we had 12 crew total yeah. it was it was small in a good way. I mm. think that like if we had more money, it would have been nice to have like another um, one more person on art department because we had a lot of art. Yeah. And uh, but other than that, I, I small is, it was nice. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. And um, how many days?
1: S- um, sixteen.
0: Any pickups?
1: Yeah, this is why I'm kind of <laughs> this is why I'm kind of saying sixteen because it was kind of like it was like sixteen, yeah. and then Kevin and I kind of went out and just did some stuff. Oh, just the two of you. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, here's the thing though. Um, like, so you had sixteen days. forget about the pickups and and the crew you had. Um, how much planning went to before these sixteen days? Like, once you knew in June.
1: Right. So we found out in June. And I was kind of busy doing a bunch of stuff. And then, um, honestly, the script was not even close at that point. So I spent the next eight months really working the script and adapting. I mean, adapting, uh, I mean, first of all, it's such great writing. Uh, but adapting uh, is, uh, I found it a really interesting and difficult process. Um, trying to, like, take, uh, and, and, and f- you've got your voice and your point of view, like, as a director, but also mm-hmm. trying to have that point of view as a writer. So it was that, and then... Um, kevin was great we spent a couple weeks just sitting down and talking through all the rules and how we wanted to shoot it and uh and making like a plan a and then making plan b if something went wrong um so we really were very meticulous in the in sort of like planning the i don't want to use the word shot listing but like how we wanted to see the film um and then from there like the casting had been done before we got the money it was it was a very, uh, being an actor, you know, all the actors, which is great. Mm. Um, and then from there sort of crewing up was, you know, just seeing who in the keys was, wanted to work with each other. And, uh, and then a couple of weeks of rehearsal and, uh, scheduling with, with, uh, Luke, our first A Luke Freeman, our first AD, which was crazy. Cause we had a ton of night shoots. Mm. So we'd have to like figure out how to like start in the day uh, through the week and then slowly move into night, um, without, you know, like, so it was, it was a lot of planning. I mean, I kind of just spent every second on it for for probably eight months until we shot. And then, like, what, every second I, I wasn't working shoot? on something else. We, we shot in May, May, until May and June. Oh, okay. We shot pieces of each. Yeah, kind of half and half. Yeah.
0: Wow. And so, <clears throat> is it done now?
1: Uh, on Tuesday, we go in and we finish the last pass of the color. Um, and then on Wednesday we go into the the sound studio and uh, look at the the five one mix and then in, and then it's done yeah wow. so this week essentially
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how do you feel about that
1: I'm really glad to be like wrapping it up mm. yeah we picture locked a long time ago um, and it's just been sort of waiting for people to be available to do different things and and uh schedules and stuff so it'd be really good to finish it up yeah
0: and how is it writing and directing yourself like how oh, yeah. is that because I'm, I'm guessing if you delete your most of the scenes
1: yeah yeah probably like 80 something percent of them yeah so it's i was really lucky so in the first part of the shoot um you know first of all i, I had already done the play which was helpful but uh I think the tricky thing of having done a character and then doing it again a year and a half later is that you are so different as a person that the character is going to be different. So you have to come back and start all over again and re-approach the... Oops, sorry. <laughs> and re-approach the work. Um, uh, but I, I did a lot of work beforehand. Like, I prepped really hard as, as an actor uh, as well um, so that I would sort of be really in when we when we went. I wouldn't have to think too much about... What I was doing, I could focus on just the present moment. And then when we were on set, I was I was really really lucky to have Luke there in the monitor. Um, it, we had talked a lot about what I was going after, and he would kind of like he would kind of go, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's it, <laughs> um, or kind of go like, hmm, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I and then later on. Um, once Kumbi became available, she was there on the monitor for me and she was there for a lot of like really big days that were really important to me of like, I, I can't screw this scene up because if I screw this scene up, the movie goes, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's four minute take. And, uh, and, and there's one specific thing that a challenge that I've set for myself and the other actor in the scene and we've got to get it. And so, um, it was, it was people, um, that I really, really trust their opinion. Um, so I could trust when they said, yeah, yeah, you, like it, that's there. And, uh, And then I think, too, like I've been directing myself and things for a little while and um, and self-directing when I'm on other people's sets a lot, um, like internally. Uh, So um, I I, some actors are don't have the thing where they're like they know how the take was when they're doing it. And that can be a really, really good thing. But I kind of always know if I'm there or not Mm. and kind of just tell if like the. There's something about if the molecules shift in the air the right way in the right moment, or like the, vi- the vibration of the scene is just vibrating in the right way. And it's the way that you imagined it beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, that's that's probably it. You can kind of feel the magic when it happens. Mm-hmm. And I'd say like nine out of 10 times if you felt the magic in the room, you're like, that's got to be the one. And then you watch it. And then like three days later, you're watching it and you're like, yeah, it was the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like was, you can kind of, I think you feel it more than yeah. I feel, I trust a feeling in the room. And the tempo and the rhythm and the pace and, and just the feeling of, like, everyone being present in the moment and telling the story more than I do the monitor, for sure, afterwards. Wow. I don't even trust, like, listening to it. So, yeah. I keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even trust listening to it more than I would watching it in a way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I need to learn that thing. I don't like the fucking headphones.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, either do I. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. Like, I, 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 I'll listen to it after. But I, I, I like um like if I'm not in the scene too, like uh I I'd always like they'd set up the monitor and sometimes I would be there, but a lot of time I'd just be standing beside Kev, just watching the scene, kind of peeking at the monitor, watching it, <laughs> um because it just feels like there's you know you know what I mean that yeah. connection yeah yeah.
0: So um Eliana, I hinted that I wanted to talk about your Fringe play the last oh, yeah, one. yeah, yeah. What's it called?
1: Monster. Exactly. It's by Daniel McIver. Yeah. How
0: did that come about?
1: Um, I was. Well, actually, Kumi and I <laughs> were going to do a fringe play together, um, and we were like, "Who's who's someone that we would like to direct?" It was uh, Julia Schultz, who's like a, a emerging uh, theater director. She's really awesome. Uh, she did a play called "Well, she did uh, Mackers at the Citadel last year, and um, and we saw that and we're like, Wow, she's she's great." And then uh, Kumi became unavailable because she's doing The Last Wife at Neptune, mm-hmm. and uh, I still wanted to do something, and I was looking for. For a play, and then I messaged a friend, uh, Richie Wilcox, who's a really, really great theater cr- creator, and uh, he was like, "Oh, this is a cool play," um, and I sort of like, and, and he had a copy, and I read it, and as soon as I read it, I was like, "I got to do this because it's it's just you on stage by yourself for like 70 minutes, and you play 10 characters." And uh, I was looking for something that was after doing Bone Cage, which was the biggest challenge I had yet, directing, writing. And acting in a feature was it was just like it was a big challenge, and it felt like a great experience. So I wanted to do something that was the hardest thing I'd done yet in theater. Mm. But uh, but it was sort of there's this piece at the end, uh, this speech at the end, that sort of talks about uh, the work that we put out into the world and the effect it has on the world and our relationship as artists to to the work we do and the re- the responsibility we have for what it says or, or and uh, and how. It's, it's sort of time to you know it, it, there's this great thing it was written in 1998 but it's so relevant now it, in in the piece he writes that it it's our responsibility to turn ourselves away from from darkness or to expose darkness and like put a light in the room sort of thing um i'm completely screwing that up but it but it, uh but it really spoke to me so i was like i, I gotta do that yeah I mean,
0: yeah, I remember when was that thing called where you kind of do like a short, out of oh, the, the short... sampler thing. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, you played like a guy and a girl, and like I was like, okay, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. It's it's a fun one. Yeah.
0: Um, what was the process preparing for that?
1: Really interesting. I mean, um, Julia is really a really interesting director. Um, she has an ability to sort of, like, put you at ease right away. Um, and and so we started right away working with the physicality um, abstractly, um, putting on music that sounded like it's like, okay, like, that kind of feels like the character. That's got a feeling, like an undertone to the character. It kind of, like, sits in a way that, that vibes with them. And we'd walk around the room and just find the physicality and dance and, and slowly little pieces of things would come out, like a gesture. For me, like, I don't know what it is, but, like, how they – they use their hands and just how they, they stand, because a lot of it is just standing, talking to the audience, different characters. Um, and those things started to come about. And but but and before that, I'd been absorbing the script for a while, um, for like probably about six weeks before we started rehearsing, so that when I came in, I, I knew all the material so we could just play. And then it was just finding the rhythm, kind of like editing a film. Like we, when you switch the characters, like how do you do it on like an in-breath or an out-breath? And, and uh, there's a lot of things where it's two characters talking in a scene back and forth to each other, like, like rapid fire. And so how do you find the transition to the character really at breakneck speed without making a meal out of it? So it's just like, and it was it kind of like in a way that an, an edit kind of, you cut on the down or the up. It was just finding ways to do that but just you as a as an actor
0: how difficult was it
1: that part was really hard <laughs> it was not something that came naturally to me at all we'd be there and like doing it and drilling it and julia would be like i think do you want to do it again and I'd be like, yes <laughs> but like internally i did not want to do it again but like i knew i had to yeah. to to pull it off but once, once it actually, once there was a rhythm to it and doing it, mm. oh, man, it's one of the most fun things I've ever done to have to switch like that. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, I'm going to end it with this one, though. Um, what's next?
1: Um, <clears throat> I'm doing a, a play at Neptune called Control Damage about uh, a piece of the story of Viola Desmond. Um, that goes January, February. And then uh, filmmaking-wise, I'm, I'm writing the next feature, just started, just got a draft done, um, and uh, and Kumi and I have written uh, uh, a film that, hoping to go for funding for this year that she would direct. So those are kind of like the next few things. Yeah, okay yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for oh, coming. Oh, thank you. Sweet.
0: This is the Blackout Podcast. for listening.